You're listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine, produced in cooperation with AMDA. Your host is Dr. Eric Tangelos, professor of medicine at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and a certified medical director in long-term care. How can interdisciplinary teams effectively provide the most comprehensive care for our patients in long-term care settings? Joining us to discuss the value of interdisciplinary collaboration in long-term care medicine is Dr. Barbara Resnick, professor in the Department of Organizational Systems and Adult Health at the University of Maryland School of Nursing and geriatric nurse practitioner. Barbara, welcome to the program. Hello. First of all, why is interdisciplinary collaboration particularly evident in geriatrics and long-term care medicine? Well, I think, first of all, geriatrics, by definition, is interdisciplinary. And I've always felt that we do lead the healthcare world in that area. And part of the reason is because older adults have to deal with a multitude of problems and changes that occur just with normal age changes and with disease. And there is no one healthcare provider that has the expertise to optimally manage all of those problems. There are social issues, physical issues, and issues that generally fall within the purview of nursing, whether it's symptom management related or just management of chronic problems that are best addressed through basic nursing interventions. More so in the outpatient setting with geriatrics or in long-term care settings? Well, I think that it's not anything that's even setting-specific. Long-term care certainly affords itself to the interdisciplinary team because the way it's set up. So the system allows and encourages it, and there's obviously easier access to all members of the health care team because by virtue of it being, for example, a long-term care facility, they need to be there. And so that does help. But I do think that interdisciplinary care can, you know, optimize management in any setting. The patients that tend to be in nursing homes or long-term care facilities really do have needs that by virtue of what has to be done in any day are best met by activities-focused people, social work, therapists, and then certainly medical management, whether it's by a nurse practitioner, and if it goes beyond the scope of the nurse practitioner, he or she can then consult with the primary physician to get additional insight and help. Many, many of the problems are quite complex and often do need that backup of a geriatrician or a physician that has expertise in care of older adults. We were very specific in defining this as an interdisciplinary collaboration rather than a multidisciplinary collaboration. Would you like to discuss that? Yes, I think there is a big difference. The interdisciplinary collaboration comes when people really work together. And the actual expertise of any one provider's any one provider is recognized and appreciated by the others. A multidisciplinary team is just often a lot of different disciplines that kind of take their own focus and piece but really never come together. And long-term care, by the way it's set up, really does optimize the opportunity that an interdisciplinary team can have to work together. It's required in many situations, and we really have a great opportunity to respond to that. 
So when you bring these players together, and I'm going to ask you in a couple minutes who all of the different uh, cast members are, what are you expecting with regards to the collaboration process? Well, I think some of it's being able to first understand what each discipline can bring to the patient and to the patient care situation. So we have to recognize and appreciate that. And sometimes that's a little bit hard because we don't actually learn together as we go through our educational program. So we really don't always know what the other discipline might know. That just comes with time and education. And then it's being able to step back and listen. A lot of where we could save in terms of healthcare dollars is not repeating. When one person does an assessment, we all don't need to do the same assessment. And in fact, that person may really do it even better than us. So I I think there's a lot of ways we can bring that interdisciplinary focus in uh, more than we always do. Who are the major players in in most of the situations that involve geriatric care? Well, hopefully the patient and family is there. You always will have a primary physician. If, depending on the situation or the physician's practice, there may or may not be either a nurse practitioner or a physician's assistant to work with the primary physician in sometimes the day-to-day management of the patient or the resident. Nursing care is always there by virtue of the fact that these are often referred to as nursing facilities, and the nurses are the ones that are spending the greatest proportion of the day with the residents. Depending on the facility, there will be physical therapy, occupational therapy, and depending on the patient situation, speech therapy. Some facilities also have activities directors or somebody with a focus in activities that will participate, and somebody who brings in the social perspective. This person may or may not be a social worker by training, although generally they are. Some of that just varies depending on the facility. In some settings, you might have somebody from pastoral care. That's usually, you know, just pretty variable and depending on size and need. You can also sometimes have some type of either psychiatric services, now whether that would be a psychiatrist, a psychologist, or many facilities often have a psychiatric nurse practitioner. Those individuals may or may not be at the actual team meetings, but may be available and accessible to the facility. Well, that was going to be my next question. When you get the team together, it's pretty difficult logistically to get everybody involved. What kind of mechanisms do you have so that all of the information can be shared? Yeah, it's virtually impossible, as you said. And this can all be shared certainly by a report care plan, which should by definition, be an interdisciplinary care plan. So everybody should have a piece on that. And I I can't remember, I might not have said nutrition, which is actually critical, particularly in the nursing home, to have a dietitian involved in that team process and the team care plan. There's also ways to conference call in. Sometimes we need to do that just with a child that may live out of town who wants to participate in the meeting or sometimes psychiatric services or that that type of thing. And in some cases, the team is going to rotate who's the most important at that table depending on what the problem is with the patient. So sometimes it seems as though you're looking for a champion. The question comes up, how does collaboration differ from uh, someone in a supervisory role and and where does the champion fit in on all of this? That's a really good question. And I, I think there are certain times that the champion changes in the team. And that may be based on what the resident's primary problem is. 
For example, if the resident's primary problem is a medical one, maybe it's staying out of heart failure. The physician or the nurse practitioner needs to be central to that team and at the team meeting so that he or she can make sure that all the team members know what we need to do for this patient to keep him or her out of going into acute heart failure. There may be another situation where it's purely an issue of depression, and this person may have a long-term psychiatric services. Well, it would be really great to get the input from that person and have that person lead the team with what's the best way to manage this patient. So I think it's very, very variable who's the champion or the advocate for that individual patient. And it's also sometimes being able to give up that seat Unfortunately, the way it tends to run is that there's a kind of a set core team, and we don't always take the opportunity to call in the other team members that might be best in that resident situation. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine from ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Eric Tangalos, and joining me to discuss the value of interdisciplinary collaboration in long-term care medicine is Dr. Barbara Resnick professor in the Department of Organizational Systems and Adult Health at the University of Maryland School of Nursing and geriatric nurse practitioner. So, Barbara, we've got all of the symphony tuned in and someone's conducting. What can we expect when everything goes well? Ah, that's when we can expect the best possible outcome for this resident. And that gets into certainly the individual's choice and you know, what they really see as optimal care for them and optimal quality of life. I think the important thing that the team can do is identify where we're not maybe hitting the mark that we want to hit and serving as reminders to each other. You know, you said that you would call Mrs. Jones' daughter about getting this done, or you said that you would try and get Mrs. Jones into the pool once a week. And so the team is kind of there to help each other as well optimize outcomes. Now, we probably can't assemble the team every time we get together or for every patient. Are there certain situations where it really is worth the effort to put the team together for a patient's benefit? Well, there's some very easy times when we can tell when we need to pull the team together, and that's usually around a crisis. That crisis might be pretty soon after coming to a facility, either moving in or in, you know, even if you know it's just going to be a short stay. So I I think it is helpful to get started with the team as soon as possible. And I would call that crisis one is just coming in. The other times that it's useful are when you're getting either close to looking at a discharge, because many, many people now come in for short-term stays. So as you're either moving to a decision whether you're going to stay or try and go back home, that's a great time to pull the team together to give feedback to the resident and the family and really make some decisions. And we have set times that are identified when this this has to be done based on regulations within long-term care. So, so they tend to be quarterly. It's possible that you can have an additional meeting that's stimulated through either a request on the part of the patient and their family or through difficulty managing the resident where staff are either concerned about different things, whether they be medical issues 
or behavioral issues, that's a really good time for the team to come together so that everybody can be consistent about what we're doing. And we all have a consistent voice with the family. And now, Barbara, not all of our teams are created equal, and some of them uh, have functioned together for a number of years, and they know each other's moves and behaviors, but some are dysfunctional. For our audience, any suggestions as to what to do with regards to team building or identifying a dysfunctional team and making it work right? One of the best ways is to really get to know each other as people, and I know that takes time, money, whatever, but to really do that, even if they might not be people that you love, but to spend some time either in a non-work situation or even in a work situation to try and get to know each other, because I think that does make a difference when you're asking somebody to do something and you know them as a person. The other way is to lay some rules and regulations within the team encounters and make sure that those are adhered to. And usually the team facilitator, who that really varies. It should vary based on the meeting and who's kind of the driving force here. That being said, some ground rules like listening to each other. No comment is ever stupid comment. It may be in some situations you may have to do set times and even use a little hourglass to say, you know, give us your report, but give it to us in two minutes. Those types of things help because at least then everybody knows what the rules are. I would like to thank my guest from the University of Maryland School of Nursing, Dr. Barbara Resnick. Dr. Resnick, thank you very much for being our guest this week on Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine. You're welcome. You've been listening to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine from ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine is produced in cooperation with AMDA. For more information about this or any other ReachMD radio show, please visit ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts. Thank you for listening.